0: Welcome into to another episode of the Fan Section Podcast. This is going to be another Fan Section short. i uh, been talking with Alan, and uh, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to get together this week to do a podcast together. So we're, uh, our plan is to just send you, uh, put out as much content as we possibly can. So we're going to both talk about recaps, talk about top 25s, Heisman races, uh, preview of week 9 games coming up this week as well as uh, you know, pretty much anything and everything else uh, revolving around the college football landscape. Uh, I think I'm just going to go ahead and start right here, looking at some of the games we have. Uh, first of all, last Wednesday, October 20th, boy, I could not have been more wrong. I was looking at this Coastal Carolina at Appalachian State game, looking at Appalachian State coming two weeks after they just got dominated, just beat down by Louisiana. And I think it was like 42 to 13, and I thought, boy, they, even even at home, I didn't think that they had the chance. I think I even said on that podcast that this is not the Appalachian State that you're used to. Boy, they came out with a lot of heart. They came out with a lot of heart. Coastal Carolina jumped up on them, 14 nothing. Coastal Carolina was up 20 to 14 at halftime, but App State locked down the defense, came roaring back, and had a, a fourth quarter field goal to tie it up. Uh, the Appalachian State defense played well. They really kept Grayson McCall uh, in check in the second half. And Coastal Carolina, as a result, falls all the way from 14 down to number 24 in this week's rankings. And that pretty much takes them out of consideration for anything uh, in, the, in the ballpark of like a New Year's Six Bowl. You know how the, the top-ranked non-Power 5 team gets a New Year's Six bid. Well, you've got Cincinnati, San Diego State, and SMU ahead of you now. Uh, I think they're pretty much out of it. They may be able to finish the season still ranked, but they're not going to go to any imp- important games. Uh, important for Cincinnati, SMU dominated Tulane. You might remember this is a Tulane team that played Oklahoma very competitively. SMU took them to the woodshed, put it away early. They were up 24-7 to at halftime and then just continued to roll in the second half. Uh, that was on uh, Thursday last week. But starting with the games from this past Saturday, Cincinnati, I was just talking about. We've been talking about how, listen, they don't have a ton of real impressive opponents remaining on the schedule, and so they need to dominate. They need to dominate their opponents. Well, they did not do that this week. They won 27-20 over a mediocre-to-bad 1-6 Navy team. Uh, It was a slugfest the whole game. Uh, Cincinnati seemed to have pulled away in the third quarter, and then Navy came back with 10 points in the fourth quarter that pulled it to a, a closer game. They, they locked down Desmond Ritter. He did not have a good game. In fact, he probably played himself out of the Heisman race with this performance. Jerome Ford ended up with 95 yards and a touchdown rushing. I mean, that's not a terrible performance from him, but by his standards, it's a little pedestrian. The Cincinnati team remains at number two in the polls, but, boy, they are extremely, extremely holding on by just a thread. I don't, to be honest with you, I, I'm not entirely sure why they remained at two. I mean, if, if the polls are going to jump Alabama over Oklahoma, why would they not jump Alabama over Notre Dame? But that, that's, that's the AP poll. The next game I just want to talk about real briefly, it was this Oklahoma-Kansas game. Boy, Oklahoma came out sleepwalking, they did, not, they did not score a point in the first half. They're down 10 nothing at halftime. Uh, boy, I can't remember the last time Oklahoma was shut out in an entire half of football. Lincoln Riley was pissed at halftime. You could, you could see that he fired him up a little bit. I mean, the, the problem is, Caleb Williams, we, you know, Alan and I discussed it ourselves. Caleb Williams, we thought, was the answer, and he was a good change of pace. But there's that sort of when you bring a new quarterback in, it's different. The other team hasn't planned for them. And so they can spark, but then once a team has a week to prepare for them, maybe that spark goes away. And and that certainly seems to be what happened a little bit with Caleb Williams. He's not a fantastic passer, not a dramatic upgrade at passer from Spencer Rattler. He is a tremendous running threat. Uh, I, I just remember following the um, the the storyline they were saying – uh, at Kansas and Lawrence there were maybe uh 4000 5000 fans in the stands at the start of the game and then at halftime they basically opened the gates and people from all over the Lawrence area just started pouring into the stadium i think you know i think they ended up with something like 30000 fans in the stands that waited until Kansas was up 10 nothing they thought oh my gosh let's get in there but ultimately uh you know i'm going to talk about this Oklahoma team a little bit more later when I do, the, um, when I do my uh, sort of playoff picture. But I cannot believe, um, I cannot believe that that play that everyone's talking about from Caleb Williams, how he stole the, the ball away uh, from the running back and ran for a first I don't understand how that's a legal play. He was in, he was in front of the running back. Uh, first of all, the whistle probably should have blown. The running back was being pushed back. The play was done. The referees didn't blow a whistle. Caleb Williams takes the ball, runs it forward. So first of all, is it a forward lateral? Because the running back had already crossed the line of scrimmage and then was pushed back. And if you're going to say it's a fumble, well, the offense can't advance a fumble. So I don't know. I think everybody was just confused about what had happened there. Didn't know what to do. The announcer seemed baffled. And, um, I mean, that was a real turning point. I mean, at that point in the game, you had 3:20 left, and uh, Kansas was only down 23 to 28. You know, their defense had stopped Oklahoma. Kansas had just marched down the field to score a touchdown on the last drive. It looked like Kansas might have had some momentum to come back. So that really kind of stymied them. I don't, again, I'm not entirely sure how that's a legal play, but uh, but Oklahoma survives. They are uh, number three in the AP poll this week. Tennessee put up a little bit of a fight early against Alabama. In fact, they were up 14 to 7 over Alabama after the first quarter. Um, Hinden Hooker kind of started pressing, made a few mistakes. He did play, uh, and he gave him the best shot because if Joe Milton would have played, it would have been 52 nothing. But uh, but ultimately, Alabama settled in in the second half, and uh, Bryce Young actually had a fantastic game, played really well, had made some good uh, plays running the ball and Alabama wins 52-24. Still some issues with Alabama. They had several penalties, several unforced errors, penalties on, like, fourth and short on, on, on uh, uh, plays that, that switched it from and maybe Alabama would have gone for it to now they're punting or vice versa with Tennessee. Uh, but Alabama moves up from number four to number three in the polls, hopping over Oklahoma's poor performance. Ohio State, not a whole lot to say here. C.J. Stroud has been on a roll, playing incredible. He throws four touchdowns as the Buckeyes route Indiana. Um, Ohio State just seems to be clicking on all cylinders. They scored 14 points in the first quarter and then 30 points in the second quarter. It was over. It was done. Indiana didn't score after they scored a touchdown in the first quarter and then did not score again for the rest of the game. Ohio State's defense seems to be improved. They, I think, are a good, good team. Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State are all going to get a shot at them. Ohio State plays Penn State next week. Um, I just want to make one note here before I move into that uh, Penn State team I was just talking about. Uh, Michigan uh, played very, very well. Again, a little bit of the question with Michigan is the passing game. Not a little bit. Like That's the main question. They seem to have a solid defense. The running game with, you know, Thunder and Lightning with Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum is outstanding. Blake Corum is, is potentially a Heisman candidate. Um, but Michigan beats Northwestern 33-7. The passing game seems to be the problem. One number that I was looking at that kind of stood out to me, Michigan had more yards per rush than they had yards per pass. Um which is, a, which is a real boom for the running game, but uh, uh, could be a problem for the passing game. Cade McNamara, J.J. McCarthy, they were discussing a little bit uh, during the game that, that McCarthy's ceiling is so much higher, but he's a lot riskier. And so basically they're saying, hey, the starter, Cade McNamara, is a lot more consistent, but he doesn't have the upside. And so at some point along in the season, you're probably going to have to switch from Cade McNamara to J.J. McCarthy. If you're going to hang with Ohio State, you, you're going to need more upside. Uh, I think they could probably get past Michigan State next week with Cade McNamara, but at some point, they're probably going to have to make that, that that change. Cade McNamara on the game, 20 of 27, only 129 yards. Both Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins had over 100 yards rushing and two touchdowns. So they know their identity, but they had a real soft, First, uh, you know, schedule so far. And they're coming into, like I was just saying about Ohio State, they're going to have to play Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State. So, uh, yeah, then the game I want to dive into here was this just debacle of a game between Illinois and Penn State. Oh, my goodness. Um, Let me see if I can find my notes on this game. So this game goes into nine overtimes, decided on two-point conversions. Uh, I'll just fast forward right to the overtimes. Uh, the game was tied 10 to 10 going into the overtime. Uh, first, both first two overtimes. Penn State moves the ball 12 yards, kicks field goal. Illinois moves the ball four yards, field goal goes into second overtime. Illinois gets the ball, moves it 21 yards, kicks field goal, can't score a touchdown. Penn State gets the ball, only moves it three yards, kicks field goal. So now, we're, now we are 16 to 16 going into the third overtime. And this, I think, was a real showcase. And I'm, I'm still deciding how I feel about this new overtime rule. But starting on the third overtime, there's no downs. It's just purely a two-point conversion. One attempt. It's almost like a shootout or, or um, penalty kicks or whatever uh, in soccer or hockey. It's kind of fun. Uh, but... Not with these two teams. The the execution was just terrible. Of the the ensuing 13 attempts, 13 attempts, one for each team, of the ensuing 13 attempts for two-point conversions, only two were successful. It was just a complete showcase of inept offense. And by the way, this is a game I don't think people realize. Sean Clifford, the quarterback for Penn State, he was back. He played in this game. He's the dude I've even said if Clifford stayed in the game against Iowa – Penn State probably would have won that. Boy, he looked terrible. He did not play well. Their offense looked terrible. Um, in addition, Sitkowski, who was the starting quarterback for Illinois, uh, got injured in overtime, and Brandon Peters had to come back in, he, which isn't a, much of a downgrade. I mean, Peters was the starting quarterback at the beginning of the season before he went down with an injury. Uh, just really pathetic display of offense, but congratulations to Illinois. They got that one final two point conversion on a very risky pass that was completely covered by Penn State's defense, but it got through. Congratulations to Brett Bielema. And I've got to say, Penn State is at Ohio State next week. This, this could get ugly. They're, they need to figure some stuff out on offense because Ohio State's going to score at least five touchdowns. <laughs> and if you can only put up 10 points in regulation, that's not a good sign. Uh, a couple more games I want to just hit on real quick. Uh, this Oklahoma State-Iowa State game was a ton of fun. It was just sort of straight-up grudge match, gridiron. Uh, it almost felt like Big, Big Ten football, but Big 12, obviously. It didn't feel like, you know, high-flying power offense, Big 12 football. It was uh, it was. Effective quarterbacking, good running game, solid, solid defense. Iowa State, I don't think pe- a lot of people realize because they've been off the radar. They have one of the better defenses in the country. So it was Oklahoma State. They have a very, very good defense. This was a game Oklahoma State was up 14-7 at halftime. Iowa State comes out in the third quarter, pours on 10 points to go up 17-14. to 14. Each team exchanged a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Iowa State knocks off number eight Oklahoma State, 24 to 21, I think this is probably not good for the Big 12. I was just listening to uh, somebody earlier talking about how, given all of the turmoil, all of the big name teams that have lost, we could very well end up with a a Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State playoff again, uh, which would be just the worst. I really hope one of these other teams can sneak in there. Uh, Oregon, their offense was showcased a little bit more. They did not come out firing. Okay, down 14-0 after the first quarter, but uh, Travis Dye played fantastic at running back. Anthony Brown a little bit more consistent, a little more within himself at quarterback. This one was a really fun game because this—I mean, this is Chip Kelly coaching UCLA. It was in the Rose Bowl uh, against his former team, Oregon. Yeah, the only thing I really thought about that was disappointing is, and I don't know if it's an LA thing or whatever, but they do the live look-in at the Rose Bowl from overhead, and I mean it's it, you know this is a stadium that seats I don't know what uh, ninety thousand people, and there were probably thirty thousand people in the stadium. I mean it was humiliating. It looked like a high school game, uh, in the Rose Bowl against the top ten Oregon team. But whatever. Um, Oregon pulls off the win thirty-four to thirty-one. Oregon is going to get a, a, a really reeling Colorado Buffalo team next week, and they're probably gonna pound them. Uh and rightfully so, if Colorado refuses to make any changes uh that are of consequence. If you have any more questions about that, you can look at the previous uh FS shorts. I believe it's number six. Uh I, I, I did this sort of gut check for Colorado football. But that's not the point of this. Uh Podcast. Uh, Ole Miss looked pretty impressive against LSU. The the offense um, it was it was a consistent performance uh, from kind of second quarter on. They're down seven nothing after the first quarter. Put on seventeen points in the second quarter. Ole Miss really kind of exploded with the running game. This this game which was kind of a new look for their offense that we hadn't seen before. Matt Corral didn't play. Especially well, and um, so you know they're they're finding different ways to win, but ultimately, Ole Miss wins thirty-one seventeen over LSU. I was kind of wondering how the LSU team would perform after the um, information about Ed Ogeron not continuing as head coach next year. They didn't come out with a ton of emotion. Um, you know, this is a team that was uh, down thirty-one to seven going into the fourth quarter. So this was, this was a, a solid performance by Ole Miss. Matt Corral did not play well, though. Uh, just real quick, couple notes on a couple more games. Uh, USC was pathetic. Okay, They had three points on the board through the first three quarters at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's defense is outstanding. They played very, very well. A uh, couple of, um, you know, 13 points in the fourth quarter for USC. Real garbage time. Notre Dame had a lot of backups in. Uh, I think the real takeaway for Notre Dame is that um, you know, they finally got Kyron Williams going. He had a pretty good game, but, but they, they kind of shifted the dynamic of the offense. They did a little more hurry-up offense. Jack Cohen seemed to be a little more comfortable in that. They were able to put up 17 points in the first half. That was a pretty good um, uh, half for their offense. Scored a touchdown in every quarter of this game. So I think Notre Dame is starting to put things together. It's hard to say, though, against a USC team that only scored three points in the first three quarters. The wheels are kind of falling off for them. I mentioned before about USC. I think they felt like they found their guy in Jackson Dart, and then he gets injured, and you have to go back to Keaton Slovis, who is, you know, kind of like I was speaking about. I um, can't remember who. The, oh, J.J. McCarthy. Tremendous upside, and, and, but also tremendous downside. So, the, the next game, boy, this was just an explosion of offense. Number 16, Wake Forest at Army. Army has had a pretty good defense coming into this game, to be honest with you. And, I did, boy, this really shocked me. Sam Hart, Hartman uh, really threw himself into the Heisman conversation. Five touchdown passes. Had another touchdown rushing. Um, and Army's offense, I was surprised. So, Wake Forest... I think if we're looking at them as they're the their sole remaining undefeated team in the ACC, do they have a realistic shot at the playoff? I think well a couple things we learned. One, they have a tremendous offense, and two, they have a poor defense, a poor poor defense, and that's not a good recipe. They could get upended coming down the stretch here. Uh, 28. To, uh, let's see, it was 28-24 at halftime. And then Wake Forest had three touchdowns in the third and fourth quarter, pulled away, got the victory, seventy to fifty-six. Don't adjust your dial. The final score was seventy to fifty-six. That is correct. I uh, think this thing is so funny. Um, they asked after the game, Wake Forest head coach Dave Clawson, if he could use one word to describe the game, and his word was, and I quote, "Wow." Yeah, I think all the fans and that watch the game on TV or were at the game. Felt similarly. Texas A&M continues to roll. This is a South Carolina team that is in trouble. They have gone through three, I think, quarterbacks now. A lot of injuries. This uh, this game was 41 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. South Carolina got a let just like USC, a couple of garbage time touchdowns. Final score: Texas A&M 44, South Carolina 14. This is helping Alabama. If Texas a continues to do well, they seem to really be clicking on offense, and the defense is as consistent as almost any in the country. Georgia's obviously a notch above that. Miami kind of turning things around after we thought that um, their head coach might have been on the hot seat. Rattling off a couple wins in a row, they beat number 18 North Carolina State uh, with a late with a, a late touchdown in the fourth quarter, 31 to 30. That was a fun game to watch. Uh, another one, I, I told you guys I was really looking forward to watching, and it was part of our Power 5 pick Uh Allen had Air Force. I had number 22, San Diego State. San Diego State, these are two teams with great defenses, great running games, some couple of the best in the country. And uh, San Diego State jumped out to a, a massive lead by, by their standards, up 13-0 at halftime. Really salted it away with an early touchdown in the third quarter, 20 to nothing. Air Force got two touchdowns in the second half. Final score, 20-14. to 14. This San Diego State team is looking really strong. They play a sneaky good Fresno State team this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see now how, do, how does their style match up to a Fresno State team that basically plays no defense and uh, throws the ball every single time. Moving on from that game... Uh, Pittsburgh looked pretty good against Clemson. Kenny Pickett uh, had an okay game, a poor game by his standards, but uh, that is very good uh, Clemson defense. Number 24, University of Texas, San Antonio. You guys know one of my favorite teams. Boy, they pulled away uh, early and just pounded Louisiana Tech, 45-16. to Sincere McCormick is now back up into the top five in the country in rushing yards. And... Unfortunately, I had just jumped onto the Purdue bandwagon, and uh, Wisconsin, they have, they've turned the page. I think they were 1-3 and three to start the season. They're now 4-3 and three with a couple of good wins, and so they're, they're really starting to turn the corner here. And with that being said, I think maybe um, we'll probably just jump into where I believe the playoff picture is at right now. So the AP has the top eight as follows, Georgia at one, Cincinnati at two, Alabama at three, who is the highest ranked one loss team, Oklahoma at four, Ohio State five, Michigan six, and, and then Oregon at seven, Michigan State at eight. I have no questions about Georgia and number one seven zero on the year. They had a bye week this last week. Um, you can tune into one of Alan Shorts if you want to hear more about Georgia. They're they're a tremendous team. There's just no ifs ands or buts about it. If there was a way, <laughs> I told Alan on the phone, they've got to find a way to reconfigure the playoff to give Georgia a bye because they're just head and shoulders substantially better than all these other teams. Uh, but so I agree with that. Uh, Team Georgia at number one. Number two, the AP has Cincinnati. I suppose for now uh, I will be okay with Cincinnati at number two. You guys know I take record of being undefeated uh, into a great account when I look at these um, and I go through the playoff picture in these rankings. This was an ugly win over Navy 27 20 really what's keeping them afloat is the win at Notre Dame. Notre Dame, like I said, performed really well this past weekend. Um, and, and the other, the other reason I would keep Cincinnati that high and they have to do this is because their average margin of victory still after that, uh, seven point win is still 27 points. Average, average margin of victory against their opponents. Uh, it helps them that Houston got a close win. SMU had a big win. I mentioned, and, uh, They're up to number 21 in the polls. Keep in mind that there is... So those are the two best other teams in the American Conference. Keep in mind that there are no divisions in the American Conference. After they booted out Connecticut from the conference last year because Connecticut refused to play football, um, they're they're now down uh, to odd number teams. So they do it like the Big 12. The top two teams in the standings at the end of the year will play each other again. For the conference championship. So, this will either be SMU or Houston, probably. And those two teams play each other this coming weekend. I'm not entirely sure if it would be better for Cincinnati to have SMU win that. I think that's probably the case. Um, But then they would end up playing SMU as an undefeated team potentially at the end of the year and then as a one loss team in the conference championship or to have Houston win and then you have two one-loss teams in the conference. I'm not sure which one would be better. Notre Dame has a tough game. This is, again, we talked about with Cincinnati. They need Notre Dame to continue to win. Notre Dame has kind of a sneaky, tough uh, North Carolina team at home this weekend. North Carolina uh, has really become resurgent after they had a poor start to the season. So we'll sort of see how that plays out. Cincinnati, it's almost like with golf. Cincinnati's kind of the leader or second place in the clubhouse. And just waiting for other people to uh, catch up to them. At number three, I have Michigan. The AP has Alabama. A big part of this, like I said, is listen. It has to matter that you lost a game. It has to matter that you lost a game. Um, You know, I I think a lot of times heritage and history and you know, Nick Saban's the greatest coach ever. I mean, he's. I mean, I think just factually, he's he's the best coach in college football history. But this is a different team and a new season, and they have lost a game Michigan has not. Uh, Michigan got a, a, a good victory against Northwestern, 33-7, like I mentioned. Um, really turned it around in the third quarter after a slow start. Put up two, uh, 23 points in the third quarter. I think that they will move ahead. No, I don't think. I, I Definitively, they're going to move ahead of Cincinnati if they win next week uh, against Michigan State. But to this point... Michigan, I think, one of the reasons I keep them behind Cincinnati, to this point, Michigan has not beaten a single ranked team this year. Well, that's going to change for them. You know, I keep saying this, I've said it many times, they're going to get Michigan State, they're going to get Penn State, they're going to get Ohio State coming down the stretch here. They have a very, very tough uh, back half of the of the schedule. So if they, it, it, it'll be fun. Michigan's going to be in very, very good games the rest of the year. At number four, I have Oklahoma. I dropped them down a spot below Michigan uh, because of this really poor performance against Kansas one of the reasons I bumped Oklahoma up was because I was I was convinced that Caleb Williams was a major uh, catalyst and and change for them doesn't seem that that was the case against Kansas I talked to you about how I don't understand how that play really at a pivotal moment in the game was a legal play but um, but it was ruled that Oklahoma had inconsistent passing and ultimately, the story of the game is that they just kind of finally wore Kansas' defense down with the run late. Oklahoma's defense was porous late in the game. Like I said, I think Kansas would have probably marched right down the field and scored again. In uh, in their two home games, uh, in Kansas's two home conference games before this, they lost to Baylor 45-7, to and they lost to Texas Tech 41-14. Oklahoma only beat them 35-23. Yes, Kansas is getting better, but that is not a good look for Oklahoma. At number five, the A people has Ohio State. I have Alabama. I do think that they're the most impressive one-loss team, although I think Ohio State's catching up to them. Uh, They did not pull away from Tennessee until late in the game, uh, but ultimately the score was a decisive margin, 52-24. to The the two feathers in Alabama's cap, when you look at their schedule – uh, we're a victory over Miami and a victory over Florida. Both teams are not ranked, and they no longer look like uh, very, very good um, victories anymore. The only reason I have them this high, really, is because of their 42-21 win over Ole Miss. Ole Miss continues to win. That looks like a very good victory on the board for Alabama. Next in my playoff picture, I have the Ohio State Buckeyes. Six and one on the year. Uh, they had a bye week uh, after pounding Indiana. Um, they they also, though, haven't beaten a single-ranked team on the year. They get Penn State coming up this week. Uh, like I said, I think that they're probably going to pound Penn State. Penn State doesn't seem to have any offense. Okay, the AP poll has Michigan at number six. Since Ohio State's loss to Oregon, they've scored 50 or more points four times, and they haven't given up more than 20 points in any game since that loss. They've clearly improved. They've clearly identified where their deficiencies were, and they've made adjustments. And I think it's a real possibility, especially with the games that they have coming up down the stretch against Michigan, Michigan State, obviously next week against Penn State, they can work their way back into the playoff. At number seven, I have Michigan State, 7-0. I had had them above the one-loss teams until... They're just pitiful performance against Indiana uh, last week. They won 20-15 to over Indiana, who Ohio State just beat, you know, whatever it was, 45-14 to or something like that, 45-7. The, uh, Indiana, um, let's see, Michigan State was down 9-7 at halftime in that game. The only touchdown in the game was set up by an interception that was returned all the way back to the 38-yard line. Michigan State in that game had 12 penalties for 134 yards, two interception, interceptions thrown by Peyton Thorne, uh, who had been a bright spot for them. Only 84 yards in the game for uh, Kenneth Walker uh, that, that dropped him down in the uh, national uh, rushing rankings to number two uh, behind Syracuse running back Sean Tucker. And like I mentioned, don't look now, but Sincere McCormick and uh, on the undefeated Texas San Antonio Roadrunners is now back up to fifth in that um, race. And then at number eight, and I think you have to give him credit, I already talked a little bit about him, but is Wake Forest, 7-0. Uh, a very outstanding offensive performance, 70 points uh, in their win over Army, 70-56. to 56. Sam Hartman has thrown his hat now into the Heisman race. Uh, the AP has Michigan State at number Eight. They have Wake Forest at 13. So I'm giving Wake Forest a lot more credit. Um, But Wake Forest is averaging, or Sam Hartman, the quarterback for Wake Forest, averaging 300 yards passing and three touchdowns per game. He also has four rush touchdowns on the year. But as you look at their schedule, start to finish, from their first game all the way through to the end, uh, before the conference championship game, they don't have a single ranked team on their schedule. Cincinnati has a tougher schedule, unquestionably, than Wake Forest. Um, so I don't know how, if this team goes undefeated, and so does Cincinnati, I, I really don't know how Wake Forest can get in ahead of Cincinnati. Uh, Wake Forest, like I mentioned, uh, had a poor defensive effort. Um they had not given up more than two touchdowns per game in their first four games. In their last three games against Louisville, Syracuse, and this game against Army, they've given up 35 or more points in each game. That's not a good trend. But like I mentioned, they finish next with a bad Duke team, uh, which w- will probably increase the Heisman hype for Sam Hartman. Chance to hopefully make some corrections again uh, on the defense. And then their schedule finishes out at North Carolina – North Carolina State at Clemson and at Boston College. I think there's some real tests in there. I think they can definitely trip up and lose a game in there. Um, But it, it looks like it's probably them and Pittsburgh on a trajectory to meet in the ACC championship game. So, with all that being said, let me just recap real quickly my playoff picture right now as it stands. I have Georgia clearly at number one. I have... Uh, Cincinnati at number two, but barely holding on to that spot. Michigan at three, Oklahoma at four. Just on the outside looking in, I have Alabama at five, Ohio State at six, Michigan State at seven, and Wake Forest at eight. Again, all these Big Ten teams are going to play each other. Georgia and Alabama will likely play in the SEC championship. So this will change quite a bit. For those of you worried about Alabama, like me, being falsely or, you know, whatever, subjectively inflated back up into the playoff picture. Ultimately, they're going to have to play Georgia. So if they beat Georgia, then they probably deserve to be in. If they lose to Georgia, then they're out. They have two losses. So I don't think we need to be too concerned about that. And with that being said, thanks for listening. Feel free to send a message, email, uh, Twitter. Alan's on top of all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, thanks again for listening this has been the fan section podcast fs shorts and we are out